Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Today I'm joined by author, businessman, and Fordham alum, Kingston Tamanu. He's here to discuss his latest book, Get to Know Your Backyard Opportunity, and discuss an app he's creating that connects all things Africa in New York City, including restaurants, stores, and people. Good morning. Good morning. And thanks for coming in. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. So tell me about the book a little bit. Okay, so, so the book comes directly out of my own personal experience. Uh, once when I got a Fordham in 2007, 2011, I moved to Austin, Texas. You know, so while I was living in Austin, Texas, um, you know, I worked for different school districts. Uh, but it came a time when I, w- I wanted to like do something on my own to see what I could do to to make a difference in the community. Uh, so it was a very challenging time for me work wise too. So I said, um, based on what I know and what I'm passionate about, you know, how can I get out there and connect with people that I could learn from? At the time, so I was thinking about, you know, starting, you know, what it would take to start a business. I want to learn about the nuances of business, you know, how, you know, people actually running real business, how they actually stay on their feet. You know, so I say the best way I could do is the easiest way is to just talk to small business owners in the city of Austin, Texas, and to get their story, the entrepreneurs to how they started, how they maintain themselves in business, what makes them unique in the marketplace, and just learn from that and publish the whole journey online so others could learn from it. You know, so once the project was 21 days, you know, so once I talked to 10 business owners. Over Why 20, choose 21 days? So I actually picked, I didn't actually originally pick 21. I actually wanted to do a 30 day project. Uh, but once I started, you know, just the way things played out, it ended up to be 21 days and which, which is preferable because I feel, I have, as I understand, if you do something with 21 days, you usually end up with a habit, mm-hmm. you know, but I actually wanted to do something actually be complete, completed and then review, you know, business. So I don't want to like do a project that goes on without end right. in that sense. So uh, I just want to finish it publish it and then share my experience with other people uh, so if it goes on without it i wouldn't be able to do that so that's why i chose 21 days you know just do three weeks and then get it done and then you know i'll see you know review and see what i learned from it and actually share my experience yeah so how did you choose the businesses did you just randomly pick them or yes so when i did start when i started um i didn't know any of the business business owners in the, in the city of austin texas um but i just felt like if i can have a good rationale for what it is i'm doing and i can present it in person to business owners I think they might give me some audience, you know, so I knew where the businesses were, the coffee shops, restaurant owners, you know, uh, gym owners in, you know, in Austin, Texas. So I just walked in and presented my, my project to them. You know, I also started a blog. So I showed them, this is what we're doing. I'm trying to publish your story online so we can share it online with people so they get, get some value out of it too. And that's how people actually opened up to me and say, yeah, I can do 15, 20 minutes. You know, I'd want to sit with you and, and share my story if you want to learn from me. So that's how I started, yeah. So initially, it wasn't just a project that you wanted to work on for your own self to figure out like how businesses run. You really knew in the beginning mm-hmm. that you wanted to share business ideas and how to get a business up and running and moving and prosperous mm-hmm. with other people through that blog. Is it, that correct? It, that's correct. That's correct. Um, the idea was if I can learn... Why not? Why keep the lessons to myself? You know, why not publish my own my journey online while I'm going through it so other people can learn from it too? So that's how it came up. It's like it'll make more sense too, and it's beneficial to the business owners too to have their story shared online too while we while going through the project. So what was what was the selling point? Like, how did if you're walking up to me, I'm a businesswoman yes. in Texas, and yes. I have like my I don't know cookie shop. Yeah. Walk up to me and tell me how you would get me interested in being part of your blog. Okay, so uh, so you'd probably be in, in your shop, place, or your coffee shop owner, and I just walk in and say, "Hey, is the owner available, please?" You know, is it you know? And if she, if she is, they say, "Okay, she's in the office. I'll get I get her to talk to you." So when I do walk in, I say, hey, "My name is Kingston. Uh, you know, I'm doing a 21 day project, profiling small business owners in the city of Austin, Texas. We want to chronicle this story. You know, learn about the entrepreneurs. So what makes them unique in the marketplace?" 
And we were actually sharing the journey online so people can follow these stories and actually learn from them too and give them exposure in that sense. My goal is to learn from your experience as a business owner so I can learn how I possibly could learn what, what you did, what makes what works for you in your business so I can actually apply, apply going forward if I want to start something on my own. Would you have 15 to 20 minutes to share a story with me? Okay. So I'm the business owner and I'm thinking, all right, I don't really know this guy. I, I, I need my business going. I, I started baking my cookies over there. Okay. Um, I have. I don't have 15 minutes now, but more importantly, what's in it for me? Okay, so that's the whole point. So we that's so if you if you have time, I want to show we actually chronicling this whole thing online, so other people can follow it too. So in that sense, you know, your story also gets out based on the people who would follow the blog. So it's like free advertising, exa- exactly in that sense. So you get something out of it too. Your story gets out too in the community. So what were some of the stories that you heard? Well, um. There's most probably the most interesting story is with Matt Lacey of Cafe Java. He owns a restaurant restaurant slash cafe in Austin, Texas, and uh, his story is about he was uh, he was in the Air Force uh, as a as a you know, officer, and uh, but he always had a passion about you know to be in the kitchen. You know he felt like that was a distressor for him. That's what actually calms him down, like it's his 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 place of solace for him. And um, you know after being in the, in the Air Force in the Air Force you know for 19 years, you know actually got back to that that passion that he had as a young kid. You know, being in the kitchen and hearing the, you know, the dishes clinking together, you know, that actually gave him some some sort of peace. And he took that passion, actually used it to create, you know, Cafe Java in Austin, Texas. And actually, it's a thriving business right now with two locations in Austin, Texas, and Round Rock, Round Rock, Texas. And he he sharing that story tells me how passionate, how passion is really powerful. The clinking of dishes that gave him peace. He wanted to turn that into a business. Yeah. It was just something that simple. Yes, I mean, because the question I asked him, because I was interviewing him, I was like. You know, how did it all start? You know, because Cafe Java is thriving right now. Because when you go to Cafe Java, there are people waiting outside for, you know, early arriving uh, customers to leave to get seated. You know, so it's very popular. I'm saying, how did it all start? And what makes you unique in the marketplace? What makes you unique from other, you know, restaurants in the city? And he talks to me, he talks to me about the fact that he, this is his passion. This is something he loves to do, you know, all the way from when he was a little kid, that memory he had. And his ability to turn that into a business, you know, and and careful people with that, you know, passion. So how do we connect the clinking of dishes to, uh, and what did he serve at the restaurant? Um, uh, burgers, some rice, you know, just regular food, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, coffee, tea. So it wasn't a huge establishment. No, it was it's sort not. of like a neighborhood Yeah, exactly, place. a neighborhood place, yes. Okay. So how do we go from wanting to hear the clinking of glasses to like this burger joint, you know, this food restaurant place? <laughs> I don't get that. That's that's a good question. But I think what he was trying to say is that um, as far as he can go back in his memory as a child, that's what he remembers, you know, as far as um, something that he felt like he was very passionate about. Probably of all things that he had experienced in life. Being in the kitchen. Exactly. And and, and doing dishes. But he was a man, too. And usually, you know, that's not something that, you know, would associate with, you know, male figures in the sense that being in the kitchen. But that's something that he felt like was unique to him. You know, and he says, hey, if I want to do something that, you know, as in retirement that I think I'll be very happy with, why not go to, go back to something that I'm passionate about? You know, and that's that's a memory he shared with me about the dishes clicking together. It's like that made sense. A lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask, uh, what are your what's your process and 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 what inspires you to want to help other people in a way that helps them change their life and find their passion and find how to make that passion into something lucrative? Um, I, th- I think. You know, this this is the, this word that I like, extraordinary. And um, I feel like um, if you're going to do something that's going to go beyond the, the realm of the ordinary and go into the realm of the extraordinary, it, it's got to be something that just not, 
it's got to be something that's very unique about you in terms of all how you feel about it in that sense. And, um, you know, it'll take you having something that lights you on fire, something that's, you know, that sets you on fire to actually be able to make a difference in people's lives. And I felt like if I could take this story and, uh, you know, pick on the passions that a business owner shared with me, I think other people can re relate to that too. It sounds like if Matt Lacey actually took this passion of his as a young kid and turned into business, what is it about me as a reader or as a listener that I could take, you know, from my own personal story and actually begin to use that to make a difference? Like it could not necessarily be a business, it could be a nonprofit, it could be a passion project. But if you're using your passion, you know, people can respond, people can sense that. And people can sense that, that's what actually draws people to you because they see a difference, you know, from the ordinary person. We're just doing it just to go through the motions. So uh, your book, Get to Know Your Backyard yeah. Opportunity, it's really not necessarily a how to start a business. No, not It's more of a how to find what your passion is exactly. and how to, uh, I guess, delve into that. Exactly. Is that take, correct? Take some baby steps, you know, right where you are in your local community and see how you can get it started by involving other people through conversation. So who do you see as your target market for this book? Um, so there are a few people. First and foremost, I think people who are, First of all, I think young people like, you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, you know, college graduates who are in that process of career discovery, you know, what exactly they want to do exactly. So if you feel like maybe I want to be, um, you know, I want to start a restaurant, you know, um, I think it makes sense for you to say, hey, who are the restaurant owners in my community uh, and how did they start the restaurant business? How, what, what's their backstory? You know, how do they get started? How do they get funded? You know, uh, how, how do they stay on your feet as far as uh, running, you know, business accounts, you know, revenue, expenses, you know, loss, those kinds of things. And if you can learn from that. Also, by virtue of the fact that you have conversations with those people, automatically they get to know you, get to know them. So that's possibly for mentorship, too, to come out of that right in your local community, people who know you in your local community right that way. So you shared a little bit about the uh, Texas restaurant owner, mm -hmm. uh, but which interview had the deepest impact on you and why? <laughs> it's funny, but I have to go back to uh, Matt Lacey. Yeah. Uh, again, um, you know, just his, you know, the fact that, you know, and I think it comes with results to the fact that you want to see a successful business and the fact that he's had that great amount of success, you know, based on the fact that he has those restaurants and people know him. And one thing that actually shared with me also, which I found worth telling was that he actually goes to the funerals, you know, graduation parties of his customers, you know, and, um, you know, that so he actually delves into the lives of its people that he serves. And uh, by virtue of the fact, people actually tell other people about him and how unique he is, how passionate, how kind and caring he is. That's what draws people to his restaurant. You know, so all these stories that he shared with me along the interview, you know, makes a lot of sense to me, makes a lot of meaning to me. So I'd want to be able to put my heart into whatever I do going forward in that sense. You know, uh, so what advice um, did he give you or what was that one nugget? Mm -hmm. If you had to boil it down to that one nugget that you took away that inspired you that that he said. All right. So I'm going to repeat exactly what he said. <laughs> And he said it's cliche, you know, but it's actually true. If you work with your passion, you wouldn't have to work for a day. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, so uh -huh. that stayed with me. That stayed with me. Yeah. So let me ask you, ultimately, um, your beginning goal was to help local businesses. Mm -hmm. Have you? Yes. So, so, so. And how do you quantify that? All right. So, so the book's published, you know, so when, whenever I go, get through an interview, I try to just share the interview on uh, different uh, platforms like Reddit you know, like SoundCloud, you know, sometimes on uh, uh, Twitter, you know, so people actually hear it. People in New York City could, not just New York City, but people around the world and people in Austin, Texas could also hear it. Um, what I also did was that when I completed a project, the 10 business owners that I talked to, I also shared their contact information with all of them. 
you know, so get to know each other. For example, Matt Lacey could be in need of, um, you know, T-shirts designed for his, for his employees. And I talked to another business owner who's a old boy uh, print shop who makes T-shirts T-shirts in Austin, Texas. I'm thinking if it's possible to connect those two, if the opportunity arises for Matt Lacey to need something like that, he'd know who to contact based on an interview project that we went through. So they all know each other. It's like I share the information with each other that you guys live in the, in, in the same city, work in the same city, do business in the same city. You know, I, I thank you guys to get to know each other in that sense. And I ask permission from all of them. So I share the information with each one each, each around the table in that sense. And Kingston, uh, your book actually started as a blog first. Are you still updating that blog or? Okay. So the blog actually was dedicated to the project. You know, so I did write a bit about it, you know, like kept kept it up a little bit. But once I started, a, um, you know, the the startup uh, Kilimanjaro, that actually took, took a lot of my focus, you know, so. Kilimanjaro, you know, your app. Exactly, the mm-hmm. app, you know. So uh, it's a little dormant now, uh, the, the blog, you know, but people can go and just research, you know, some of the archives, some of the things we wrote about, some of the uh, articles that I wrote while, while, I, while I went through the project. And I want to talk about the app soon, mm-hmm. but uh, I want to uh, go back to your blog. Was it difficult to keep yourself on task and committed to writing all the time with this blog? That's a very good question. Thanks for asking that. Um, yes, uh, it was very challenging um, because um, what I did was uh, I actually tried to take notes while I was going through the project every time. Um, even before I actually you know, meet a business owner, I take notes about what exactly I want to ask him. Uh, what I learned from the interview, and when I once I get home, I'd have to write a whole complete article of what I learned, you know, through the, on that day. Not just talking, not just conversation. What I learned about myself too, you know, while I was going through the project. So every day I'd you know, write a, 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 um, an article on my blog, and uh, sometimes it's difficult, you know. But I try to the way I try to get out, get through it is like I write a, a draft the night that I got home after going out and talking to business owners, and then the morning after I'd get up very early. And I'll, you know, fine tune it, just clean it up a little bit, and then it's ready for people to read. Like, online. how long would you take to spend on it? Um, about a day. Yeah, about a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe an hour in the evening, and then maybe one or two hours, just clean it up, and then before I leave the so house. So you really for, had to be committed to this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And have that dedication. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with author, businessman, and Fordham alum, Kingston Tamanu. He's discussing his latest book, Get to Know Your Backyard Opportunity, and his app, Kilimanjaro, See Africa Around You. So what did you personally Mm -hmm. come away with from your interviews, maybe collectively or individually? What did you... You know, they always Oprah talks about that aha moment, mm-hmm. that thing that sort of opened you up and and allowed you to see something different or something in a new way. So, so what did you end up personally learning from the interviews? I would say the opportunity to give myself a chance to connect with other people on something that's genuine, something that I'm passionate about, and to see people open up and respond to it. You know, actually showed me that. If I have an idea, something I don't want to work on, as long as I'm passionate about it, I'm very organized and I know exactly what I'm doing, um, I can get people to hear me out or listen to me. You know, um, because usually when you're starting something, you're like, you know, I don't know if people are going to respond. I'm not sure if people are going to, you know, be open to this. You know, what if they, you know, reject me or something like that? But, you know, once you overcome that and, and the opportunity to overcome that through the projects was very great for me. And uh, they actually, you know, you know, helps me with other things that I'm working on, working on right now. Cause I could always look back and say, wait a minute, 
I didn't know any of this business when I started this project, but I ended up with 10 business owners actually opened their doors to me to hear my story. I can do it again. Well, can I ask, um, with that little bit of fear, yes. before you received, you know, uh, a positive reaction, mm-hmm. was it daunting for you at all? Were there times that you were nervous or people were nervous and, and or you were dismissed in some way? Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so honestly, there were business owners who did not want to have an interview with me, you know. And did I, they I, give a reason? So maybe some of them were busy, like it's not a good time. Um, you know, maybe do I say, hey. Um, maybe the business owner is not present, you know, at the time, or maybe I say, Hey, um, I'm not, I'm not sure of this, you know? Um, so in that case, I, I don't try to push it. You know, I try to just move on to the next business owner in that sense, you know, not, not, not let, let that get me down. And I talk about that in the book too, about the fact that, you know, if you want to do something, the threat of rejection could keep you entirely from starting it altogether. You know, and I talk about the fact that if you're probably running for office, you know, you don't run for office for everyone's vote, you know, but the people for who your message resonates, those people would actually respond to you and vote for you in that sense. You know, so um, definitely there are people actually who didn't, didn't didn't respond to it, but that that was not something that deterred me at all. Okay, but let's uh, break this down a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. Did anything go wrong? Did something negative happen that you had to sort of bounce back from or maybe regroup and convince yourself to move forward or convince yourself to kind of shift gears, or maybe you just never saw something like that. Maybe the setbacks didn't affect you that much. Um, I want to say like I want to say like it's like a setback, setback. But what, a challenge I had because when I started, I didn't, I didn't have like I didn't start with um, a lot of resources in the sense when I started, I actually had, I didn't have um, a way to record interviews, you know. Um, so when I started, I didn't record any, any, any interviews. I just wrote articles. But as I went along, I, wait a minute, I said, wait a minute, it would be better to uh, find a very simple um, recording mic- yeah, exactly, mechanism and, uh, and use that to record interviews. And um, I wouldn't say that's a setback, but that should give me a chance to say that, hey, if you do start something, don't wait till you have everything before you start. You know, because if I if I actually waited to have all like those tools, that equipment to record interviews, I wouldn't have started. But started, and after realizing that, wait a minute, I might be better to have a tool to help me record interviews. And that's how I went out and actually bought a, a, an equipment. You know, so that's a lesson I'd say. You know, it was not a hindrance, but it was something that I had to get over in the beginning to get started. And you, you sort of had shift gears there. It's like I was writing, <laughs> now I can. Yeah, exactly. Found an easier way to do mm-hmm. it. And I talk about that in the book too. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your app. It's yes. not out yet, but you are working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you created the app called Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. What is its purpose? Again, um, you know, thank thank for the question. Now, Kilimanjaro actually also comes from my own my own personal experience. Again, I talked about the fact that I was born in Ghana. Um, while I was living in Austin, Texas, I mean, just one day I was just at home, you know, kind of felt lazy, you know, just lying around at home, you know, in the apartment. And, uh, and I home like, in Texas? Yes, yeah, exactly, in, in, in the apartment, in my apartment in Austin, Texas. But I had a craving for a food that I grew up on, I grew up on in Ghana. What's in, the food? Oh, uh, it's called, it's called jollof. What's it made of? Oh, it's it's rice. It's, it's, it's a very tasty, unique rice that's made with uh, gravy. You know, it's boiled together in, in a pan. And, um, you know, people love it. You know, Ghana. So you take the rice. Just uh, I love new recipes. You take the rice. Uh-huh. How do you make it? So you start with the gravy. You make the gravy. The gravy has to have a lot of liquid, you know, like a lot of water in it. So it's not very thick gravy, but it's a little watery gravy. And then you directly wash the rice and then dump the rice into the gravy. And then you let it sit on the fire. 
you add some spices to it, and it comes out great. And it's just rice with gravy and spices. Exactly. Okay. You could put meat in it. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it's very, it's very, it's a very popular dish in West Africa. Ghana has their version. Nigeria has their version. Sierra Leone has a version. Yeah. So. Um, I had a craving for that and I was like how do I get that but it's only one African shop in, in, and in you Austin. didn't know how to make it yeah I didn't know how to make it mm-hmm. you know so it's like how do I get that so it's like with technology my phone can I just get on my phone and have this delivered to my, to my apartment and I was like wait a minute is there something that makes this possible but I didn't think there was anything that, that possible so I, but I didn't think much of it days went by months went by and I just like wait a minute how do I know what's going on with the communities that are important to me the Guinean community the Nigerian community the African community and these communities existed all across the country, different pockets, Dallas, Maryland, you know, New Jersey. And there were a lot of things that were going on, conferences, festivals, food exhibitions, art exhibitions, you know, like meetings, you know, parties. You know, but that's how the, uh, the idea came to me. And it's like, how do I know what's going on with the communities that are important to me? Conferences, festivals, different things. But it's not a device I put it all in one place. So I, would, I was in a tech space. I learned how to design, design apps and stuff like that. So it's like, well, why not just give it a shot and see what I come up with? So I went to a public library and just built a prototype, you know, from a few screens of based on how I'd want to use it for myself. And I showed it to my buddy from uh, Ethiopia, Eosidike. And he said, wait a minute, this is cool because my folks in Maryland would love to use something like this. His parents were living in Maryland at the time because they would love to use something like this to discover native Ethiopian stuff in Maryland, like food, gatherings, meetups, conferences. Because it's bigger than ex- just food. Exactly. It's bigger than just food. It, yes. It allows you to connect all kinds of different African connections. Exactly. Like conferences, meetups, um, events, you know, like like you can see clothing shops too. You know, um, let's say you want to, you know, like find, you know, like an African uh, grocery shop. You know, you could also find it on there too. So your friend helped you discover that there was a need for exactly. This type he, of like his response actually told me that. Wait a minute, this could be something that could make a lot of sense to people that are in New York City because I'd gone to New York City. I'd gone to Fordham. As I said, if that's the case in Maryland, you know, I think the same thing applies to New York City. You know, so why not come to New York and just give it a shot and see? Actually, validate the idea, talk to people, and get real feed, real feed. I was going to ask, how, so how did this start? Exactly. How did you start developing this app? Um, so it's I just took a very simple approach. I said, let me just build something basic, something minimal, and as a test version. So we built that and we put it in the, in the Play Store and the App Store. And uh, once we so I came to New York, so we we just got a big banner. So we'd go to different parts of New York City, 142nd Street, um, you know, uh, Grand, um, pardon me, 149th Street Grand, Grand Concourse, 125th Street Harlem, 42nd Street Grand Central, 42nd Street Times Square. Just post up and talk to people as they. And are these specific places where uh, the African community is? Are these where yes. the African shops or what's going on? Yeah, in we feel like we feel like those are places where we could, you know, can make, we could get, you know, we can interact with people who are, would be part of our target audience. Okay. You know, so for African-Americans, uh, not, not just African, but African, Native Africans, because I built this for myself, you know, when I started. But so once, once you we, built it, you literally like, okay, let me find a store. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a subway or walk to yes. this store mm-hmm. and talk to the owner yes. about being a part of this Exactly. Act. So it was a, a lot of manual work in the beginning. Uh, talking to people, said this is where we started. We'd want to feature you guys, give you guys exposure. Would you want to get listed in the app? You know, a lot of people say yes. You know, so that's how we got a few vendors listed within the app, so people could discover it through. Do the they app. pay for to be in your app, or so, do people subscribe and pay for that? How does that work? So when we, once we started, since we we didn't have a huge amount of users in the beginning, which would be value to the business owners, we actually listed them for free to start. You know, uh, we felt like you know that'd be a good approach to have something to show the users where they can they can feel like they're getting value out of the app first and foremost uh and it makes sense to have the vendor have it be free for the vendors in, in, in the beginning how do you connect your interview project blog book and app are they connected or is the only connection you um 
I think the lessons and the skills out of my interview project is actually transferred into the into building the app. And uh, keep my, so we keep my we when I went out there talking to business owners, I didn't know any of them. And uh, the fact that I had to you know present a good rationale for what it is I'm doing, I had to apply those same skills when we came to New York City to actually launch the app. You know, we actually approached people we didn't know. You know, strangers we felt like you know could would understand what we're trying to do. Um, you know, just presenting the idea, say, this is what we built. This is a mobile app we built that we feel could, could make a difference for our community, you know, for the African community. And uh, would you, you know, uh, like to take, give it, give us some feedback, you know, take it, download it, give some feedback. What would you want to see? How would you, what was kind of improvement would you want to see in it? You know, those kinds of conversations actually comes directly from my interview project too, in that sense. And the fact that I'm talking to strangers, you know, which most of the business owners were when I first met them, you know, I should transfer us. Uh, to this uh, uh, project too. And now in the United States, unfortunately, you have a lot of people who think Africa is a country and, <laughs> and they don't realize it's a continent. That's right. And uh, made up of a, a lot of different countries with their own specific, unique uh, languages yes. and backgrounds and history. So how do you connect all of these in your app? Kind of give me a visual of, of what it looks like if I'm, I'm, trying to go through this app and okay. find something specific. You know, we thought about that because Africa has about 54 countries. Right. All of them are unique in their own right in cuisine, in music, dance, culture, you know, tribes. You know, so we try to get that breakdown too with our restaurants too. So if you go on the, to, onto, onto the app, you'd see a restaurant. If it says Papaya, it says Guinean restaurant. It says Senegalese restaurant, a Nigerian restaurant. So it, it classified them by country in that sense, you know, so people would, you know, would know what they're looking at. So if you if you go to a Nigerian restaurant, you get Nigerian jollof. If you go to a Ghanaian restaurant, you get Ghanaian jollof. Have you sense. found any um an, any country of Africa that isn't represented in New York City or around New York City? Yes. Um I want to say not represented in terms of people being here, like people from that country living in New York City. I'd say there's not a huge amount of people from, let's say, Somalia. You know, that's an it's East African country, uh, in the sense that I've not found a Somali restaurant. I've not I've not heard of Somali association meetup, a gathering, um, and so I feel like they're not heavily represented. Like if you talk about Ghana, Nigeria, Senegal, you know, those are countries where easily you know you you find restaurants and meetups, conferences, you know, different things. So what do you do in that case? You know, oh, if I'm going, I've got this app, I want to find, you know, I'm expecting all things Africa, mm -hmm. then what do you do when there's something that can't be represented there? Exactly. And so that's that's one thing we realized. When we first started, when we started talking to people, we, we realized that not just the app is not just relevant to just Native Africans, but uh, African-Americans, Caribbeans, you know, different people. Um, and a lot of folks, African white Americans also had, had gone to Africa and traveled to Africa. They also had an African, African experience. They also had, felt like they could use the app, too, based on what they had, they had seen in, in Africa. Um, but we wanted to solve that problem by creating something we call experiences, which is going to be in the next version of the app in a sense that, um, we could create dinner experiences that are, you know, hosted by people from Somalia, for example, someone from Somalia could host a dinner experience at her home or in her apartment that Kate, like she makes her own food and people could book that as an experience oh. and then visit that person. Okay. If, the, if there's no restaurant that represents a country. In that sense, that way we could get all 54 countries represented or like Jamaica or different countries, too. So, like, that's what we're trying to solve that problem. That and way. right now your app is only in New York? It's only in New York City, yes. Mm -hmm. New York City and part of Austin, Texas. But Austin, Austin, Texas is not as active, but we focus on New York City first and foremost, the biggest city. And you were still looking for partners when it exactly. comes to this, correct? So yes. what exa exactly are you looking for when in terms of the app? 
Um, so we, at this point, we're just about three of us. Uh, so we just want to find people who actually can see, you know, can you know, relate to what, what it is we're trying to do and the people we're trying to serve. And uh, the people out there who like say, hey, there's a startup out of Fordham Foundry, they, they can, you know, you know, get in touch with us and uh, get to hear our story and exactly exactly what we're trying to build as far as the big vision is concerned. But if the investors out there who would want to talk to me and say, hey, you know, Kingston, I want to help you out. You know, definitely we're open to that and uh, we, we can use all the help we can. Again, again, also, plus mentorship. This is my first time as a founder. You know, if someone out there who has been through this process before, definitely, definitely, I'm willing to have that person, you know, you know teach me some things, you know, listen, you know, get feedback on what it is we're doing, you know, some mistakes we can avoid and stuff like that. So that'd be something that I'd really, really value. And just forward. to clarify, you're not just an author and yeah. a, an Affordum grad. <laughs> you, you code. Oh, yes. So um, I teach uh, game design. You know, for three middle schools, uh, uh, IS584, Millennium Academy, and Jonesburg Academy in the Bronx. And uh, we teach game design to sixth grade, seventh, and eighth graders uh, in, the, in the community. So uh, sort of giving back to the community in that sense. Uh, but I'm primarily like a designer, you know, I like aesthetics, yeah. you know, to beautiful things, beautifully designed. So that's my forte in that sense. Gotcha. Oh, uh, yes. Kingston, whether someone wants to partner with you when it comes to your Kilimanjaro app mm-hmm. or pick up your book or yes. just contact you, how do they go about doing that? So um, so the, the app has a, a website, you know, that actually would take information. People want to people get in contact, they can come in there. They, they'd have direct access to my email on there. Also, for my book, it's actually available on Barnes & Noble right now, you know, the ebook version and uh, the print paperback, paperback version, too. My thanks to Kingston Tamanu. He's author of Get to Know Your Backyard Opportunity. I'd also like to thank my senior producer, Marina Koff. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.